We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Beauty, a terrible story by Caillou Fernando Abreu. Did you think this was a haunted house story at first? Because it sure felt like it was going down the traditional haunted house route, but it does well, not. <laughs> well, you knew he was nervous walking in, right? And and where do where do those nerves come from? Well, let me ask that. I, I'm making an assumption here. When okay. you read the main character's actions, like first of all, you don't know is he is he outside? Is he inside? You know, he's ringing the door, and you're like, oh, okay, okay, for sure, he's outside. We're looking down at the rug. The rug would would naturally be outside. There's a woman. We don't know the relation at all. How did you read his mental state when you first started the story? Uh high anxiety, uh, depressed, nervous. I never would have guessed that he was going into his mother's house. This guy is a wreck. I, that's why I thought it was a haunted house story. Like this guy is going back to the most mm -hmm. horrible place experience he's ever had, or he's going to meet somebody for the very first time. And he's very nervous. It just, he's a ball of emotions and I would never thought that this was the route that the story was going to take. The setup is amazing because it takes a whoop 180 to you. Well, it's very fluid too, right? Like it's it's the very subtle things like he's putting his hands in his pockets, you know, and usually you do that when you're nervous or, or trying to comfort yourself, uh, playing with keys or fidgeting with a cigarette, stuff like that. Yeah. And he's like, okay, uh, uh, this is my way in when, when he starts talking about, uh, I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was the dog or something like that. But he's like, N now's the time. Now's the time. And I'm like, I'm like, is he going to rob this chick? Like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> and then later you learn like, oh, not only, not only is it her son, but he's like 40 years old. Like, he's a grown man. Like, like he should have things figured out like in a life trajectory, like, Every life's different, right? But usually there's like these societal expectations. You've got things figured out when you're 40. You shouldn't be like super nervous doing like, you know, trivial things like visiting your mom. So you're like, okay, there's something under the hood, right? Like, like you got to know something's going on. Yeah. So once you realize that he's not a teenager anymore and that he's going home to see his mother, obviously all of those nerves set a precedent that this is a strained relationship somehow, or there's some beef or there's backstory that we don't have of why he is so nervous to go home and see his, his mother. And it, it's crazy throughout like the beginning of the story, all the little details that when he's noticing his mother, you know, what she smells like and like the sores on her body, he's taking extra note of these things. And that does come into play later in the story. Cause at first you're like, why is he noticing all these weird Weird things about his mom and her house and everything like maybe maybe he hasn't been here in a while uh and that's maybe the case but it goes a little bit beyond like almost feeling comfortable of like why he's saying saying these things internally to himself about his mom and her house and her dog did you read the translator's notes for this one yeah the one from uh bruna yes i had yeah. to i had to cheat because i didn't get it at the end I, I had there there's there's a lot of subtle clues there, uh, but unless you know a lot about 
a brew, then you you probably won't pick up on what the story is truly about. So I did cheat and uh, I went ahead and looked up her notes. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, the subtle writing of, you know, there's this quote, cigarettes, sweet onion, scabby dog, soap, beauty cream, and old beef alone for years when he's describing his mother. And you'll notice that they actually go through this line twice where they, they kind of repeat most of these in terms of the cigarettes, sweet onion, scabby dog. But the second time, they don't repeat that alone for years ending, interestingly enough. Like after after the, the two start to connect and start to talk, uh, do you think when they're sitting there talking, do you think the mother knew something was up? Like, do you think she could sense the unease, unease from her son? For sure. And I don't know if that's just because I think that mothers know their children, but she she's trying to draw it out of him as the story progresses. She knows he just wouldn't show up, uh, that he had his own life built. She knows that that he doesn't look good. She's like, you look kind of thin. What's going on? Um, you know, and when they have the cigarette, she noticed that he's coughing more than normal. Like, hey, you're a lifelong smoker, son. Well, you wouldn't be coughing. She knows something's up. Uh, she can tell he's nervous. And then you realize maybe they don't have a strained relationship and he is acting abnormal to what he normally would to her and that's giving her clues of all right son just tell me as this the story goes on now i guess i guess i don't know what translator's notes you read so let's let's just cut to the chase do you know why the man is nervous i do after i read the notes but i did not know the original time i read the story that he has HIV, and he's trying, struggling to tell his mother uh, that he's basically dying. Right. So, so he has a terminal illness, which you, you know this was published uh, sometime in the eighties, late eighties. Was it eighty nine? So, sometime a- around like yeah, the AIDS so pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The end of epidemic. So, so there's a lot of of misinformation, I think, at this point in time, and there's also a lot less. Uh, help for people a lot of less i mean when you don't know what you're what you're doing how to diagnose those sort of things but he he's probably looking at his life he's looking at his mother right so if he's 40 right you got to add on did they say how much older she was was she like 65 or something like that so, somewhere around there i think yeah i think she's in her mid 60s so they're both approaching the end Right. Like they both are, they're both, well, let's put it this way. They're both able to look at their life and measure how many more things to do before it's over. Right. It's, it's no longer when you're a young man, what can I accomplish? What can I do? How do I make my mark on the world? How do I stand out? How do I get people to love me? How do I get people to adore me? And it's no longer that I think when you get older, right? Like you and I, I mean, I don't want to, I hate to bring it up, my friend, but you and I are closer to the grave than we are to the cradle. Ah, you think? All right. I don't like that, Uh, but okay. At some point, we need to admit that we've gotten older. And, and you start to notice those things like, like the narration, he's noticing the spots on her skin, right? He sees this scabby head of the dog and then his chest has the purple spots, like all these signs of age uh you don't really necessarily pick up on some of those things when you're not afraid of it yourself but now 
the mother and the son are almost in the same situation of what do I got to do before it's the end? Yeah, the the story really is beautiful and terrible at the same time. And it's done very well to to show those connections of death everywhere with the 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 dust and the dog, the house is decaying and rotting. The mom and the son are both decayed and rotting and dying. And it, it shows the similarities between them. And I don't think you do appreciate those things. When you're 20 years old, you don't think about that stuff. But when you get a little gray in the side and you start getting wrinkles and, uh, you know, that it becomes more apparent to you. And then you notice that more in other people and I don't think it's too much judgmental. It's just like, oh, wow, my mom's getting really old. And you only kind of start noticing that as you start to get older because you're going to start seeing those similarities. And they're even more apparent because they're both dying. The, the house is dying. The dog is dying. They're both dying. And uh, I think that I think that he's ra- afraid to disappoint his mother that he is dying. And this is also the era of regrets, too. Like they talk about a little bit of the... Uh, I guess there's very subtle nuances to the class and the wealth uh, conversation as well, right? The mother's making these references to like, well, maybe I should mention it in front of your your sister. I think it was the sister. Sister, yes. Because then her husband would work harder when he sees these things. And they talk about uh, Beto and like the the being born into silver spoons, which is obviously a reference to being born rich. Class, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there, there, there's a lot of subtlety to the writing that I think you know. When I read the translations notes, I was just kind of like, oh, like, like I had these feelings, but I wasn't really able to make it concrete. That once, once I kind of read that, like I'm like, oh, yeah, the mother is looking at that, and, and I guess that's a good question, is because. You, you always have those desires for your kids to do better, right? Like, like I want, I want more from my, my daughter, right? Like husband, like work harder because there's an 89, like eighties Brazil. Like there, there's a lot of expectations on what the male provides. Right. But they also have like that line of, you can't take it with you. Right. Like the, like we're all equal in death in our wealth because we all give it away. Right. It's all gone. You can't, you know, it doesn't go with you to, to, whether it's the grave, whether it's the heaven, to Valhalla, whatever you believe about in the afterlife. What do you take that social commentary to mean that that she's still worried about it? But to me, it seems like the narrator couldn't care less. I think that's the difference of the relationship between being a parent to a child and a child to their parents. That maybe not unconditional love, um, but there are there are conditions set here. And I think that he feels like he's failing his his mother. She 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 doesn't care, right? Uh, it's sort of hinted at. It's about the only thing I picked up on um, that he is he's homosexual, and uh, she didn't care. She was just like, "What about you know your boyfriend?" He's like, "Oh, you know we're not together anymore, basically." And she's like, "Oh, like she was bummed. Like she didn't care anything, you know." And I think that in the eighties, that was seen as a um, that that wasn't accepted back then as, as much as it is today. And she didn't care. She was a good mom. Uh, and I don't know, maybe he's feeling regret that he's not being a good son. Not only uh, did he not visit her often enough, but maybe he feels like because he didn't, you know, hold up to her standards, he's kind of let her down. Well, how sad is the history, right? Your granddad died alone. Your grandma died alone. Your father died alone. 
what does that mean for these two who normally they say, you know, a parent should never have to bury their child. And here they're almost wondering who's going to go first, right? Like they're, they're, they're for the first time in their family history, have a chance to grow together as opposed to the traditional family history of dying alone. And and it's sad, but there's a a certain level, I think of empowerment when you can face that gracefully together. And, And here he is finally trying to inform her of mom, I'm in the same spot that you are right now. I know it's maybe it's morbid, but I like to think that maybe, uh, and I love animals, that the dog is the one that dies alone this time. And maybe the mother and son will die together. Um, and that will give them each peace and closure. Because uh, I felt like he was going, she went upstairs, maybe to die. And she's like, your room is where it is. Uh, go to your room, son. And, you know, he's dizzy and he's trying to make his way up to his room. And maybe maybe it's the end for the both of them. They both recognized and accepted that. And that gave them both, uh, you know, some some happiness at the end that they weren't dying alone, that they were dying together. And that was OK, that right. they did the right, right. thing. Well, there, and there's certain things that they shared, like they talk about even about like the eye color and stuff like that. So th- there is connection there. What do you think about that last line? He looks at the dog saying, beauty, he whispered beauty you're a real beauty beauty like that's that's a lot of repetition of the word beauty and i think you even made a very subtle reference earlier i didn't get a chance to comment on it but i think you did a funny you did a funny little reference there about be, the beauty and the terrible story thing uh talk talk to me about that that last line what what does that mean i think that he was saying that it doesn't matter what you look like i know my mom's old i know that i'm old but that old adage that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and that it didn't matter that the dog was decrepit and dying. He still loved the dog. It didn't matter that the house was decrepit. It was still his home. It was his childhood home. It didn't matter that his mom wasn't that young, vibrant thing that maybe made him peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as a kid. She was still his mom. And maybe he was accepting that he could die with some dignity in that house. It didn't matter that it wasn't what it once was. That beauty can be terrible, but that's okay. It doesn't beauty doesn't have to always be beauty. I'll say this. If you're a longtime listener of this channel, you know that that crypto here's the dog person and I'm, I'm the cat <laughs> person, right? So right. <laughs> I, I'll give I'll give you this on your home territory. The dogs have it down. When it comes to the definition of unconditional love, they will put the other person first every time. They will protect you. They are there for you. Like there, there is nothing that separates a dog from its owner. In in t- to hear the story of this family about how the daughter has you know hasn't seen you know her, her mom in a month, and how the everybody has died alone in the family. Uh, I, I just I hope that the son does the right thing and you hope that they can get some more of that familial connection before it's too late. Uh, and, and I guess maybe there's a certain recognition, too, of how this dog, to your point, is is unabashed. It may be old, but it does what it can do and it enjoys and loves the time that it has left in life. And I think that's a life lesson for for all of us. Oh, man. I think you're going to make me cry. That was beautiful. 
<laughs> well, all right. Uh, Happy Halloween. Happy to kick off this holiday season here. Uh, looking forward to a month of spooky reads. Feel free to check out the playlist down below. But also, don't forget that we are celebrating National Hispanic Heritage Month. So we're looking at a lot of uh, Latin American and Hispanic background stories. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of Brazilian and a lot of other Latin stories. So feel free to check out this channel for more talks like that. If you've enjoyed this video, hit that like button. My name's been Una. I appreciate you spending time with us today. Peace.